Alright, take four. Welcome back to another episode of Secret Stories from the Underground. Holy shit, I am so over background noise today. People are just ticking me off. Welcome to the podcast. So today we have Ashley Lawson on the show. She, uh, we had a great time with her, such a wonderful guest. We, we hope to have her back on the podcast here soon. But before we can get to the interview, I got a few things I got to plug, get out of the way. Our band, D&D will be at uh, the Royal Grove this Saturday night in Lincoln, Nebraska. We do have tickets for sale on our band page on Facebook. Go to D&D Music on Facebook. You can purchase. Uh, there's links on there to where you can get your tickets. Um, maybe if you're cool, you can even get them hand-delivered. So, But uh, there's only a limited amount of Nebraska shows left for our band before we head out west. So please take advantage. Get out. And uh, make some memories with us before we head out west. We'd appreciate it. Um, so like I said, this Saturday night, we're at the Royal Grove, Lincoln, Nebraska. Our band D&D, uh, Davy Suicide, and Combi Christ, and many others. There's many other acts that you'll see on this show. That's just a few that I could remember without having notes in front of me. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for the support. Thank you to everybody who came out to the American Dream this last week and seen us. We appreciate it. Uh, let's step it up a little bit more, Omaha. We got some shows in November coming out. We're hitting some uh, some rap shows. That should be fun, being that we're a metal band. I don't know how the fuck we got teamed up on this. But anyway, it don't matter. We're going to have a good time. And uh, we appreciate everybody that lined that one up. And then we'll be back at... Uh, Dr. Jack's at the end of November. It's a special one for me because I've spent a lot of time at Dr. Jack's and it's been a long time since I've been there. So it's a kind of a return and uh, probably going to be the last time I ever play there. So come out, support our shows. We appreciate it. Much love to everybody that does. And uh, you can find all them dates at uh, D&D Music on Facebook. So, and uh, please like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date with all the interviews that we have coming out. That's enough of, of me. As always, I'm your host, Danny Whitman, and uh, I'm co-hosted by my brother, Dean Whitman. He's not here for today's intro, but uh, maybe next maybe next time. So, stay tuned. Thank you to everybody for your support. Ashley, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm here with my co-host, Dean. How you doing, Ashley? Good, how are you? Doing well. So, uh, just ignore any background noise that you might hear. Uh, we've never done this before, but we're actually podcasting outside. It's nice. <laughs> it is gorgeous out today, so we want to take advantage. It's, it's like the last nice day we'll probably ever have here. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you guys at? We are in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. All right. Yeah, where, where are you at? I'm in just outside of Dallas, and we are actually having a pretty nice day, too. And um, after I get done with this, we're actually going to hang out with some friends outside and enjoy our 70-degree weather as well. So nice. awesome. <laughs> awesome. Everybody's having a good day. Nice Sunday. Yeah, like yeah so uh, wh what's it like down there? Uh, what do you guys do for fun down there? Um. 
Well, I enjoy being outside and, um, but you know, here in Texas, it's so hot, like 90% of the year, I think we get two seasons and that's it. And the second one is very, very short. Uh, so when it's too hot to really be outside, um, I honestly have really just been diving into acting classes and things like that lately, things that are flexible, that are easy for me to do from inside, things that can kind of work around my schedule as well. So yeah, and I enjoy reading a lot too. Very cool. Uh, were you born in Texas? I was not. Um, I'm actually originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and I've been here in the Dallas area for probably 10-ish years. Very cool. So uh, what, what made you head down that way? I, ooh, I lived here when I was younger, here in the Dallas area. I actually went to kindergarten in a school here in Dallas. And um, so that's probably about the time where I, I can remember back that far, if it makes sense, if that <laughs> makes sense what I'm saying. Um, and I just I always remembered loving it here in Texas and I spent most of my life knowing that I wanted to come back this way. And um, my dad has a few businesses here in the Dallas area as well. And I went to college and got a license and degree in English education. So I'm licensed to teach seventh through 12th grade English. And I had a really rough first year of teaching in Memphis and um, just really did not see eye to eye with some of the other teachers and the principal at the school I was working at. So I was like, I need a break from teaching. And my dad said, well, if you want to go to Dallas and run my business for me, um, you can. So I was like, heck yes, sign me up. And that's how I got down here. I worked for him for a couple of years, and then I decided to give teaching here in Dallas a go. And I did that for a couple of years, loved the students. Um, I just find that teaching is not just about teaching anymore. Um, there is a lot of paperwork that has to go into it. And I think if teachers are going to get done everything that they need to get done, um, then they need their own secretaries or personal assistants. Or <laughs> and uh, so I just, it was requiring a lot more time out of my day than what school hours were supposed to be and what we were required to do. And I was like, you know what? I love teaching kids, but life is too short for this. So yeah. I, I took a year off and thought about what was really the last thing that I did that made me happy. And it was acting. And I have gone back to teaching this year, but now I teach online. I teach two classes a day and I'm done teaching by 11 o'clock in the morning. And so the rest of my afternoon is super flexible and it's great. And quite honestly, teaching online has the perfect schedule, the perfect amount of flexibility to keep me happy doing it and getting to be able to bond and interact with students still is wonderful as well. So yeah. I've, I feel get, like I found a nice little balance with the best of all the worlds. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you get to bond with the kids without actually being in front of the little booger eaters. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
<laughs> now Dean tried the the teaching thing for a minute. It didn't work either. No, <laughs> I, I'm a, kids are wonderful. Dealing with parents and yeah, all the extra paperwork and stuff that you have to do that's on top of it just takes the fun right out of it for me. Yes. So <laughs> you had a exactly like mine. <laughs> yeah, I have no teaching no. experience. I just think that teachers need to be paid more. So <laughs> I agree with that. Or I would even be okay with the idea of getting them personal assistants or secretaries to take yeah. some of the the burden off of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how have you found uh, living in Texas? Is there a lot of acting jobs down there? Surprisingly, yes, because we have a very active indie film community here as well. And so something along those lines is always going on and now since you can post things on youtube and facebook even has facebook watch now and all of these other avenues where you can post what what we call in the film industry new media it's just there's always something going on because there's so many avenues for you to post things and since we have a lot of colleges around here as well um the film students need actors to do like the film version of a senior thesis type thing and so i've been involved with quite a few of those actually um just because it's always fun to get to know up-and-coming filmmakers but it seems there's always something going on i know i've been fortunate enough to be involved with several directors down here that have things that they are currently pitching to networks and streaming services because it just seems like everybody from whether you're on the filmmaker side or being in front of the camera with how technology is these days and with covid kind of making everything have to be done through a screen anyway as far as auditions now we have self-tapes instead of having to go to a lot of auditions it's really opened up a lot of doors for people in markets outside of Hollywood to get their foot in the door and get their stuff seen as well that just wasn't possible, what, like 10 years ago. Yeah, we talked to a lot of people and they, they say that they like the auditioning process a lot more now because for one, it could be done at your home, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it's great. Uh, Allows you to go on more auditions in a day, that's for sure. If you yeah. Send a video. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it also is because um, I even I have five agents in five different film markets. And it also is very helpful from that aspect, too, is to be able to get agents in other markets because all you're doing is self-taping anyway. So whether, for instance, one of my agents is in Utah and she covers the Rocky Mountain region for me. So kind of over where you guys are. And um, she can send me stuff. And I can send it right back and never even have to leave the state of Texas to do that and still be considered for a job that's filming out that way. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. I've never asked question, but for people that have multiple uh, management, does that ever become like a headache? I personally have not experienced that because since they are in different film markets, you typically don't have to worry about um, like there being any kind of indiscretion about 
overlap of what might what they might submit you for so you don't have to like pick and choose your agent or anything like that one thing that's difficult that i've really been working on as well and what i would encourage any actor to do is you have got to make sure that you stay on your agent's radar i went through a long period of you know, thinking it was polite to not bug people. And I finally had an acting coach that also helped from a marketing aspect as well. And she finally told me, girl, do not worry about annoying them. She said, you know how busy they are? They probably don't even remember that you called five minutes ago. She was like, you do what you need to do to get yourself seen and get in front of people. So I've really recently embraced that. And I send my agents update emails once a month. I call them and talk to most of them once a week, at least. Um, if I don't talk to them on the phone, I still email them and, you know, ask if they have anything for me. If I haven't heard anything from them, I send them thank you notes with little gift cards inside because several of them have different mailing addresses from where their actual office is located. So, um, I mean, I would just and definitely encourage that. But as far as overlap, it, that's not been a problem for me dealing with all of them. In fact, most of most agents will have a stipulation in the contract that says you can't have another agent, sometimes just within the state that they are in. But other times, like my agent in Utah, she covers the entire Rocky Mountain region. So I can't have another agent in Utah, Idaho, um, and then there's two in Colorado, and then there's one other state that I can't think of, but I couldn't have representation in any of those other states because because um, the film market is growing there, but it's not quite as big as it is in other markets yet. So some of them cover multiple states, some of them just your state that they represent. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for and how big of an agency you're looking to be a part of as well. Yeah, so so far that hasn't been a problem for me. I just got Steven. That's it. That's it. he's he's the only one that cares about me. So, but no, maybe I've always wondered. Just, maybe you just need to put yourself out there and start bugging people. Oh, I I do believe me. Yeah, no, I drive people crazy. I'm sure. <laughs> But no, I've always wondered that because I, you know, we find most of our guests off of IMDb. If if you know Steve, the the connection. So, and, and you know, a lot of people, they do, you go down some like really, you know, big name actors, they have, you know, 20 people. And I'm like, man, that's gotta be a headache. To, <laughs> but it, you just kind of taught me how that probably works there for most people. So yeah, and, I, I and learned you know, something. <laughs> I'm also super organized. So like all of my stuff that involves my agents, because a lot of times, unless you're talking with them about specific auditions and things like that, a lot of what you're trying to communicate from one agent to another is relatively the same. Like, I mean, I send my um, email updates to them at the beginning of every month. So I sent one out to all of them this past Friday and, um, it, it had all the same information, like what classes I'm currently enrolled in, what projects I've just wrapped, because you also, even if it wasn't necessarily in their film market where you just wrapped filming something, you still want all of them to see that you are actively working, regardless of which agent booked you the job. Yeah. So I, it's, it's very easy for me to 
to just group them, blind copy all of them on the same email, and then send it out, and then touch base with them individually. And I, like I said, I'm very organized. So I have a little, and I'm very old school with my organization. So there's some things that I do digitally, but I do most of my um, like documenting by hand. So I have a little book where I keep all of that information, where I've contacted them, what I've contacted them about, when I send out their thank you notes, when I send out the email updates to just kind of help me know that I'm doing my part and continuing to build that relationship with them. So they will send me on more auditions. So like, uh, typically how, how many auditions do you, you get, um, from each agent? Do they each send you like a handful at a time or is it more just one at a time? It depends. So my agent that I have here in the DFW area and um, my agent that I have in Utah, they both will send stuff out as it comes. They both use two different uh, platforms for how to submit. So like my agent here in Dallas will send out a mass email to all of their talent and say, hey, this project is going on. These are the roles that are available. Let me know if you want to be submitted and what role you want to be submitted for. My So we get several of those a day and then um, they'll send the auditions back to us if the casting director wants to actually see an audition. And then my agent that I have in Utah, the platform that they use the casting directors can actually go in and see all of their talent and and our demo reels, all of our headshots, and then they will specifically request from there who they want to see auditions from. So I get several from her in a day as well. Um, in fact, I my agent that I have in Utah and the one that I have in Nashville are both relatively recent. I've just signed with both of them in the last month. And there has not been a day other than weekend days where I have not sent an audition to her for something that she requested of me. Nice. Yeah. So it's been, it's been great. And I'm of the belief it is a lot and it's a lot of work, but it's happy work and I'm happy to do it. And um, especially since she's new and that's a new film market that I'm trying to tap into, I've learned to not get upset when you don't book things because especially when the same casting director is asking for stuff from you over and over again, that's always a good sign because it typically means that they like you. They're just trying to find the best place to fit you in one of their projects. And um, so I, that being said, one of the casting directors that my agent in Utah keeps sending me auditions for, I've probably sent auditions to him at least once a week and they've all been for SAG projects. So that's been really positive as well. And one other thing I would want to let novice actors know is that if you keep seeing the same casting director and they don't book you, don't take it personally. It is actually a very good sign. <laughs> so that means if they like you, you just maybe didn't fit that exact role that they were looking for at the time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or it turns That's... into like a uh, happy Gilmore, better luck next year. Type. <laughs> 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 I've actually had um, so I had mentioned earlier about being involved with some directors here that have some projects that are out being pitched to streaming networks and um, actual network television as well. And I'm in one of those projects. I 
can't say much about it because it is currently being pitched. But my role that I play in the trailer that they have out in their package for it, um, I had auditioned for that director probably two or three times. And then after about the third time he saw me, he was like, hey, you keep coming to my auditions. You keep getting callbacks. I want you to know that I want to use you. I just don't have a place for you yet. And then when I went to that very last audition for another project, he was like, I have something that I want you to work on. And everything that I had been doing for him up until then were all supporting roles. And it ended up working out because for this particular project, I would actually be booked for one of the lead roles. So it's just amazing how all of that can work. And and I can very literally sit here and tell you I am living proof that if you keep auditioning for the same person, it will work out eventually. <laughs> so do you get anxious when you have something that's in the pitch uh, stages? Not really, um, because... I mean, as the actors, we get, we might get updates. And, um, you know, I even know about the status of this project that's out being pitched right now, because again, I've made sure to stay in contact with him because if it does get picked up, it's going to just be something that's life changing for my career. And so I want to make sure that I stay on top of that. And so if we don't, he's, usually pretty good about sending updates out to us. Like after we got the trailer complete, he let us know when all of the filming for the trailer was wrapped. He let us know when, um, when they had the trailer like color corrected and who they needed to come in and do some ADR work and all of that. He's been very good about keeping us updated, but then we went for like a month and a half without having heard anything. So I texted him and I said, Hey, what's the status? And he was like, we are starting to pitch it on Monday. And of course this was at the beginning of August. And I do know that they've gotten very good feedback from people in the Dallas market that kind of have say in that kind of stuff or have experience with it or have pitched things themselves. So they're, they're pretty positive with it. Um, and so now I'll tell you, I don't get anxious about the actual pitch being out there. It's the waiting that makes you a little bit anxious. And then, you know, you'll get busy and you'll stop thinking about it for a while. And then all of a sudden it'll pop back into your head and you're like, oh, let me see what the status of that is. So, so do you ever get a call back on something that you may have kind of forgot that you uh, sent an audition for? Yes. So funny enough is that I wrapped filming at the beginning of September. Um, I did a supporting role for some indie filmmakers that are located in Abilene here in Texas. And um, I actually, I had worked with my coach on the audition. I was feeling really positive about it because they have their own email database that actors can be a part of. And they'll, they sent out the fact that they were going to be filming this, they sent out the roles and they were like, hey, you're part of our email system. So we want to give you guys a leg up on the auditions before we start posting it on Actors Access. So 
I submitted for it. And then two days later, I saw the role that I had auditioned for pop up on Actors Access. And I was like, oh, well, I guess they didn't really like my audition. And I had completely written it off. And I get an email from them two days later. Or, I'm sorry, not two days, two weeks later. And they were like, hey, we really loved your audition. We would love it if you will do this role. And I mean, like I said, I had completely written it off, completely forgotten about it. And then there it was in my inbox saying, hey, mm -hmm. we want you to come do this with us. So yes, it definitely does happen. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go down to your IMDB here a little bit. Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> What what actually was your first project? My first project that is on my IMDb account was actually Baphomet that was directed by Math and Harris. And, um, you know, I was actually really fortunate that it even my credit even got put on IMDb because that was literally when I was first diving into the um, film and TV world of acting. And I... I went, I did the work for free. They filmed it in the winter at a uh, haunted house that we have here in Dallas. And so it's like only open around Halloween. So they were able to film it. But since it was off season, there was no heat in there. We were freezing and it was extra work. And I'm literally just in one scene for probably like five seconds. But um, I'm very fortunate to have done it regardless of how cold it was. Uh, <laughs> because it opened up that door to put me on IMDb. And it's amazing how things like that can be, can kind of have a snowball effect. Cause it was like right after that credit got put on IMDb, I was able to start getting involved in other projects that were going to, to give you the credit on IMDb. Cause, and, and I've heard different things about it. Some people think IMDb is the end all be all, like that's where your true resume is. And other people are like, no, we don't really care about that. They're more concerned about what your demo reel looks like and what your personal resume looks like. So I'm just kind of like, it's out there. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so it's good to have all bases covered there. Yes, don't, don't, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, for, for what we do on the podcast, IMDB is a lifesaver because we can go and see all of your reels and everything. If it, well, if the people that update their stuff, yeah. <laughs> there's a couple of people that, you know, they don't have their stuff updated, but yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, I noticed that you have a credit. What were we saying? Dean? The, the credit there that. We oh, see uh, on the IMDb? drunk history. The uh, it's called Elixir of Life, and <laughs> it was filmed very much like a drunk history esque short film. Um, I always enjoy talking about that project because, again, just it's it's so interesting to me how things happen sometimes. So the people, the production company that ended up putting the film together, they did it because one of their friends had actually written the script. And I never even got to meet the girl that wrote the script. She was in all of our emails. But she, since all she was was the writer, she didn't have to actually show up on set. And she had won some awards for that script and they were like we know her it's great that she's won these awards let's let's actually do it let's produce it let's make it and 
I auditioned for it and I had the lead role in it, which if you guys have watched the demo reels, you'll see the secret agent person is who I was originally cast for, which is the female lead in it. But then they, the girl that they had um, cast narrator in it, she had some kind of family emergency the day before we were going to start filming. And so they called me and they said, hey, would you mind doing the narrator as well? And I was like, heck yes, let me do it because I knew you would be hearing nothing but my voice throughout the entire project. And um, so I went there and I did the narration. They gave me real mimosas that I was drinking in there. So that was <laughs> plus. In fact, not that I drank a lot because, you know, you have to sip it slowly, one, for the sake of not actually getting drunk, and two, because <laughs> you've got no idea how long you're going to be filming. But they cracked me up because before I left, they were like, are you okay to drive back home? I said, yes. By the end of it, I had maybe two actual mimosas. But uh, yeah, so that was interesting, too. So I got to play the dual characters in there and really was a part of it from start to finish other than the writing project. That That's cool. So how long did that take you to film that? We filmed it. I think the final film, because they sent it to us, granted it wasn't um, color corrected or anything yet, but it, I think the final film ended up running about 15 minutes long. And so we've, I did my narrator part separately from the rest of the filming that took place. They had rented out the house for the living room that I did the narration scene in. So I did that over one weekend just by myself with the production team. And then the following weekend, all of the other actors that were involved came and we filmed the actual meat of the film and yeah so i mean it just took a couple of weekends but i was pleased with the final product and they were of course covid kind of messed everything up for people that were wanting to submit stuff to film festivals and things like that so hopefully they'll be able to get it submitted and accepted into some film festivals this year that's cool so are all the festivals coming back then I don't, I mean, I know quite a few of them have come back. I really am not sure which ones have completely come back here in Texas, but I was really pleased to see that um, California was starting to let them do some again because I have a pro another project that I just had a very small day player role in, but I do have speaking lines in it that played last Wednesday at um, a film festival for women that was in Beverly Hills. And the girl that wrote that and plays the lead and that she was very excited about it. So I think it's kind of hit or miss and kind of up to the film festival itself right now as to whether or not they want to participate in, in the film festival circuit right now. Yeah, I was just wondering about that because I, I don't, you know, I've never been to a film festival, but if, if you can have Coachella right now, why can't you have film festivals? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I wish I had an answer to that. <laughs> yeah, I feel I'm, like the film festival is probably a little bit on the safer side than Coachella. <laughs> probably, and I was about to say, unfortunately, they don't ask me my opinions on these things. <laughs> Yeah, they don't ask for ours. Oh, either, film but. festivals are way safer than Coachella. Have you seen the yeah. people that go to Coachella? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. 
Oh, that's funny. Um, catch something in line trying to get in. Right. <laughs> get COVID before you even get in COVID the least of your worst yeah. things you catch there. <laughs> uh, so you got a credit for Cruel Summer. Yes, I was actually involved in Cruel Summer a lot for most of the first season. Again, it was extra work, but nonetheless, get to put some credit on there for myself. Um, and, you know, for me, I again, you find different acting coaches, different places telling you if you've got the experience and you've got the talent, the talent that they kind of caution you about doing extra work. I personally am of the belief that any kind of work is like to not let yourself start thinking you're above doing something because, again, you never know who you're going to meet, what kind of connections you can make on set. And um, I mean, I was I was able to do that. And by the by the end of it, um, I was I had been there so much and gotten to know some of the producers and some of the ADs and things like that, that they actually gave me a super featured part um, during one of the talk show portions of it. Um, I got to play the actual producer that counts down the talk show hosts. So you get to see me pretty prevalently on there. And so that was nice. Again, just making those connections, letting people see who you are, Hey, I'm out here. Um, and then the credit is always helpful as well. But it was fun. That's definitely a project that I am not sad to have been a part of for many reasons. Everybody on set is so nice. The actors were great. Um, some of them being that they cast them locally here in Dallas, I I knew personally. So that was always fun, too, to get to watch my friends and people that I personally know act in front of the screen as well. So there was a lot of positives to being a part of that show. I was going to ask you if they, they filmed all that there in Dallas. They did, actually. Um, all of it is filmed here in Dallas. They have... Uh, some sound stages where most of it is where like most of the house settings and stuff like that take place at the sound stages. And then um, the rest of it was on location. Like, I don't know if you've watched it, but the carnival scenes and things like that that are in there, we actually went to a theme park here locally to film all of that. So some of it was on location and other parts of it were at sound stages. Ah, cool. So will there be another season of that? I believe when we wrapped the last episode, I believe they had already said they were getting a second season, awesome. but I, I don't know that for sure. I can't imagine that it wouldn't. If you've seen it, you know, the very last episode has a huge giant hip, uh, cliffhanger at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's one thing that I, uh, I hate about waiting for the next season of things. That's, well, that's one thing I really hate when something doesn't get picked back up when an awesome, uh, you know, series ends with a cliffhanger because there wasn't another season. That's always the worst. I need closure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do too. And you know, it's funny you say that. I'll I'll finish the cruel summer aspect of it, but I feel like I read somewhere, I can't imagine if they wouldn't pick it up for a second season because I read an article online not too long ago that said that that show is the most watched show that Freeform has had. So I think, personally, I think it would be a mistake if they didn't. But it's funny that you say you don't uh, like when shows get canceled and they've left on a cliffhanger. I am not somebody that really is into the whole um, 
sci-fi alien zombie type genre that's just not my thing but i got really into that show colony um i think it was on usa and then now it's on netflix have you guys seen that or heard of it no. i've heard of it i haven't watched that one though okay well it's worth the watch i wanted to watch it because i'm a big fan of sarah wayne callies and she plays the lead female role in that and i want to say there's three or four seasons of it and it's on netflix and it was originally written to have five seasons and it when it stopped it left on a giant cliffhanger like something that had the potential to bring the entire show together and give you closure in the next season you were going to get to find out what happened to everybody and then it was canceled and i watched <laughs> it and that last episode played and i was so disappointed and my husband was like yeah, I thought about telling you that it was going to end like that before you started <laughs> watching it, but I didn't. I was like, now I don't like you right now that you don't <laughs> tell me that. I wouldn't have invested my time in these seasons if I knew I wasn't going to get an end to my beginning. <laughs> yeah, there, there would have been some rough days around my house if my, <laughs> if my wife did that to me. <laughs> well, I also find too, and I don't know if, if you guys do this also, but when I get really into shows, especially ones that have a lot of seasons, I find myself getting really attached to some of the characters. So when they kill them off or something happens to them, I get really upset personally and have to take a break from the show and stop watching it because I feel as if this character is a real person that I've become <laughs> friends with. A hundred percent shameless uh, was a TV show that did that for me. I, I feel like I knew them you know, I grew up around them people. Them are just the type of people that, you know, we knew. So the characters from Shameless was uh, just one of them shows where I felt like I actually knew. Well, that show went on for uh, 11, 12 seasons, whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a long time to be invested into a show. Yeah. I had to. Um, mine were, it was Sons of Anarchy for me where I had to take some breaks with some of the stuff that was going on with the characters there. And then the other one, I had one of my close friends told me I did not jump on the Game of Thrones bandwagon when it was first out. I want to say there were probably three or four seasons before I finally was made the decision to get invested in it. And one of my friends was like, I'm telling you right now, do not get attached to any of the characters because as soon as you decide you like one, they will die. And <laughs> so I finally, and I, like, so I went into it knowing this was the case and I start watching it. And literally every single time I would start liking somebody, they would die. And so I just quit. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Just too hard. <laughs> yes. And then it, it just, and that show frustrated me a lot because they would kill off the people that you got attached to. And then, of course, I know they need it for the drama and the conflict of the show, but then all of the people that you despised were just always there. <laughs> and I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. Sons of Anarchy kind of lost me for a minute when they killed off, uh, oh, what's his name? The, the OP character? Yes, was it, was that it? 
Exactly for me too. I literally, I was on a lunch break at my job at the time and I was watching it on Netflix and they killed him. And again, I knew he was going to die because I am also, one of my guilty pleasures is spoilers. I like to ruin things for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you and and my dad would be best friends. (laughs) I I need to emotionally prepare myself. And so I knew that that was going to happen and was still not emotionally prepared for when it did happen because I didn't know how they were going to kill him or anything like that. And then when they did, I literally was sitting there with my mouth hanging open. I was bawling my eyes out and I was like, no, I am not watching you. And I feel like I'm I'm punishing the show for something that they're not going to feel anyway, but it makes yeah. me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally understand that. It, it makes sense for sure because I feel the same way. And they don't miss me not watching, you know. <laughs> well, I, I did finish it eventually. I grieved his loss, and um, but I had read some articles afterwards and did find this interesting. It was one of those things that you don't notice until somebody points it out to you. But for how big of friends Opie and Jax's characters were with each other, he was never ever brought up again until the last episode of the entire season. And um, I, again, I didn't notice it until I read it in an article, but I was like, that is strange. You would think even if it's a character in a show, he would have come up somewhere, like even just the mention of his name. And yeah, that he didn't reference at some point. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, on top of that, they watched him die. So it's not like it was just something they heard about. <laughs> it was easily <laughs> forgotten. Apparently. <laughs> That's the, that's the biker world. That, no, it was a great show. It, uh, no, did you ever watch the reboot? The, uh, the Mayans, yeah. Was that what it was called? Yeah. Mayans. I love it. I hate when it's the end of that uh, of those seasons too. And I don't know if you guys have watched it, but uh, the most recent season that's just ended. I was so proud of. Uh, Michael Pena's wife finally leaving him. I was like, girl, I'm glad you finally found your own two feet to stand on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I haven't watched that one. I, for some reason, I was such a fan of Sons, but I just, I haven't given that one a chance. I, I never and got to do it. You should, because believe it or not, and granted, I am a huge, to this day, still Sons of Anarchy um, advocate and fan, but I find myself, and I can't even tell you what it is about it, but I find myself thinking that Mayans MC is more relatable for me. Like, it's more interesting to watch, I guess, for lack of a better way to phrase it. And I almost feel like it's, um, almost, like it's because what's happening in it is maybe more of a thing that could be realistically happening being that it's kind of based around drug cartels and things like that um that are you know they're very active in in society right now so i think i just find it a little bit more relatable because for me it's just a little bit more realistic yeah so you you said earlier it's worth it (laughs) You uh, you said earlier that you don't like zombies and stuff like that. So you, do you not do the the horror genre much? 
Oh, no, I love the horror genre. In fact, if I'm going to sit down and watch something, that's the genre that I'm most likely to pick something out of. And it's not all zombie things like I'm not going to sit down and watch The Walking Dead with you or Fear the Walking Dead or anything like that. But um, I have my in fact, one of my favorite horror films is Dawn of the Dead. But I I feel like I like that one because as far as what I was watching when that came out, that to me was kind of the first zombie movie. And then I felt like that uh, kind of opened up the doors for all of these other things. But even the the sappy stuff like Twilight, I refuse to get on that. I won't even watch the movies. I'm just like, no, no. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I'm, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> it breaks my heart when people are into that crap. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, yeah, I couldn't get into it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's because I wasn't a 14-year-old little girl when it came out, but it just didn't hit home for me. Oh, my gosh. You didn't even have to be a 14-year-old little girl. I was in my late teens when that came out, and I have twin cousins that are nine months older than me, and they're females, and both of them were just like, oh, my gosh, we love this. And I just, for me, it wasn't even the fact that there were vampires in it. I could not get on board with the storyline. I was just like, this this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, it was. I accidentally watched the first one because I had no idea what it was about. I thought it was a a, a horror movie, and I, I was disappointed. Yeah, halfway through oh that my movie, God. like we, well, I had like the first half of it. We turned it off because this is bullshit. Oh, this dude, is I, I never knew. I would have offered you help or something. I never knew you <laughs> sat through that shit. I sorry. didn't know what it was. <laughs> I uh, but no, I very much love the horror genre. I used to like the stuff that was all blood and guts, but now I much more prefer to watch something that's more of a psychological thriller that's going to keep me guessing throughout the entire movie. Um, and in fact, I was talking with somebody last week about how one of my goals is, well, I have two big ones and one of them is to do British television. And the other one is to get to, um, be inaugurated into the screen queen league. Ah, oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be really cool. So why British? Yeah. I gotta know. <laughs> um, so I, when let's see i can't even i don't really understand british comedy so when i say british television it would need to be something more like one of their procedural things or i find myself being drawn a lot to their period pieces that they have like on netflix when something british comes out um i i'm here for it i'm just it doesn't even matter what it's about i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna watch it maybe i'll like it maybe i don't but at the end of the day it was a good time um i have been obsessed with just british just british <laughs> um <laughs> Since the Spice Girls, I like the way you talk. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it, just anything that encompasses being British. I I'm just obsessed with it. And I was fortunate enough, my senior year of college, I got to go study in London for two weeks. Uh, we did Gothic and Victorian literature and did a bunch of fun tours and things like that. Got to see the scary parts of London, and I mean scary like from a literary standpoint, all of the scary places that Victorian writers would write about and stuff like that. And got to go on a Jack the Ripper tour and did a lot of 
fun, scary stuff. But I've been obsessed with them since the Spice Girls were a thing. They came out <laughs> when, when I was young, probably like late elementary school for me. And really, I liked their music, but I was really obsessed with the way that they talked because listening to them speak was the first time I had ever encountered listening to British people speak. And I was just obsessed with it. I thought it was just beautiful. It sounded lovely when they talked. And I just, in fact, when Spice World came out, it was a terrible movie, but I could not quit watching it <laughs> because I just wanted to listen to them talk. And <laughs> And I think looking back on it, it was probably good for me because um, now accents are easy for me to pick up. So I can do quite a few of them on my resume. And um, so I'm, I'm thankful to the Spice Girls for that. <laughs> But even after that, I I really enjoy watching British period pieces, British procedurals, um, British movies. In fact, I really, um, we've been talking about Netflix, but some of the things that I've really enjoyed watching are The Last Kingdom. And I was really excited when they announced there was going to be a fifth season of that. And from what I've seen on Instagram, they are currently filming it. So I'm like, yay, maybe it'll come out next year. Um <laughs> But I also really enjoyed, I don't know if you guys have seen this one on there or if it would strike your fancy, but a limited series called Behind Her Eyes. It took, I had it on my watch list for a long time and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to start watching this. And once I did, I could not quit. I stayed up for two days watching all eight or ten episodes of it because it just was constantly like the psychological thriller thing we were talking about. That's very much what it is, but it's not, it's not presented that way, if that makes sense. But once you start watching it, it is definitely messing with your head the entire time you're watching it because you just want to know what's going on. Add to check it out. Uh, Dean should definitely check it out, being that he gave Twilight a chance. No, I, you know, I, I didn't know what I was giving a shot to. I, I really didn't. <laughs> You're not going to live that one down for a while, man. It's going to be a while. <laughs> so, I, uh, what is what is what is appealing in a British market? Is that much different than what's different here in the American market? You know, it's funny you ask that. So I, again, because I'm so obsessed with them and one of my goals is to be on there, I was like, um, okay, what can I do since I live here in the United States? What can I do to get seen over there? So I've started sitting in um, webinars on backstage when COVID happened, since everything was shut down. They did this pretty much year-long series of having casting directors and pretty big-name actors do like a Q&A webinar type thing on Zoom. And um, you would have to send in your questions before the Zoom took place. And then the representative from backstage would ask the questions that, you know, a bunch of people wanted to know the answers to. And um, so you didn't really get to interact with them, but you got to hear their answers to questions. And they were able to get a bunch of British casting directors to come in there and um, do these Q&As. And I attended every single one of them because I just wanted all of the answers and really gained a lot of knowledge from that. And then after the presentations would be over, I would always message them on Instagram and tell them, hey, I really enjoyed that you said X, Y, and Z, just so they would know I was there. 
And um, so I just, I really keep up with that, but also I thought, what's another way that I can that I can learn what they do to be considered for bigger projects that they have over there? So I got a coach that is in the UK, and I've been working with her for probably about two weeks because I started, as I said, I read a lot. So I've read articles about how um, British actors really are aware of a camera and they know how to move in front of a camera and to make it look natural. And um, so that's why we have so many of them in our market here in the United States. And so I was like, okay, let me let me learn how a British actor learns acting. So I got my coach over there and I was telling her this and she started laughing because she said, it's so strange that you say that because all of my actors that I have here in the UK learn how Americans learn how to act. And so she just thought it was an interesting juxtaposition of Americans wanting to learn how British actors do things and British actors wanting to learn the way that Americans learn acting. And I think that I think both are equally important for very different reasons. And so I think if you can learn how to do both, it's just going to make you more effective and more marketable as an actor. And I've really enjoyed working with her. She does, we kind of do one-on-one sessions, but she also has a course through Teachable as well. And at first I was like, I don't know about an acting class on Teachable, but watching how she moves on it and watching how to apply that in front of a camera has been so beneficial. And the fact that it's on Teachable, I can go back and watch it over and over again until I feel like I've mastered the skill because moving in front of the camera was my sole focus of even getting a coach that's in the United Kingdom. Yeah, that that's cool that you've been able to you know, get over into that market and work with people over there. Yes, it is something that I'm very proud of myself for taking the step to do. Now, do you think the Germans are angry because everyone wants to learn British and American, but nobody's dying to learn German? (laughs) I don't know. You know, I don't know. um, I don't know very many German actors. So... (laughs) Not really known in the film business. <laughs> I mean, do you know of any off the top of no, your head? No, no, that's no, why I was not. saying, like, literally okay. nobody wants to be like German yeah. actors. I wonder if they're mad about that. I mean, the <laughs> only one that really even um, comes to mind is uh, Mads Mikkelsen, but even he's from Denmark, not Germany. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Germany's got nothing. Shout out to our German listeners. Yes, you. yes. <laughs> So what were you going to say, Dean? Oh, no, um, you were talking there about um, some of the learning the art of how they do acting in that and um, British television and things like that. And I had seen something that you would learn under a um, uh, Lar Park Lincoln. Yes. And she was a star of Friday the, Friday the 13th Part 7 the Jason versus Tina, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely love that. I, that, uh, entire Friday the 13th series. I, I love that one particularly though. I thought that was awesome. Just yeah, somebody that I, actually went toe to toe with Jason. 
I think that's a, a pretty common thing. And of all of the ones kind of out of that franchise with Jason, that one tends to be the most popular one, which I know is great for her. And she she and I are actually very good friends. I was just chatting with her yesterday, actually. Um, they And they did a fan film that is, I don't know if, I think it's playing in film festivals. It's been released in some film festivals. Um, they did a fan film about Jason and Tina specifically called Roseblood, I believe. So she's wrapped that recently and it's out there in the stratosphere in the film market as well. So um, she was in Washington state for quite some time filming that not too long ago, but uh yeah, I it just it's amazing to me how stuff kind of falls into place as you need it to happen because she's my coach. I had mentioned earlier about being really good from the marketing marketing aspect of things that told me to stop worrying about annoying people and just make sure that I get seen somehow. So <laughs> <laughs> So definitely some good advice from her. <laughs> yes, very much. Not to mention that she's a very, she's a very personable person and she is very nice and very kind and she truly wants to help you. But she, she means business. Like when it's time to be serious, she's not messing around with you anymore. If she needs you to get from point A to point B, she's going to let you know that and she's going to do whatever she needs to do to get you there. <laughs> No, that's cool. I like to work with people like that, that, you know, can have a good time. But when it's time to get down to business, you know, it, it's work time. To get it done. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She, yep. Um, good people to know. she had a film crew come in from L.A. and do some of her other students didn't have demo reels. So they had demo reels written for them and the film crew came out and produced it. And uh I was one of the supporting actors for several of the demo reel scenes for some of the other actors that work with her. And it was it was so cool to see her in her element because I've only ever worked with her one on one. And when you had all of these actors around that were waiting to film scenes and, and chatting to each other and everything like that, it was just so fun to see her in her element but also in a different element than what i was used to seeing because she's like hey we have this location from this time to this time you guys need to be quiet we've got stuff going on over here these actors are trying to film they're not chatting while you guys are filming so let's get it together oh uh, yeah that that's cool um so uh with the project that you have pitched right now, you have like no uh, idea at all if that's going to get picked up or do you have another project that's out? Anything coming up, I guess I should say, that's not on your IMDb that um, you can talk about? That's not that's not on my IMDb. So the one thing that's there, not nothing that I had um, – my character has a name, fortunately, but I was a day player in it. That's the film I was talking about earlier that was released in the Beverly Hills Film Festival last week. Um, there was the Women's Film Festival. That came out on Wednesday that it played at that film festival. And then the one that I just recently wrapped for the feature film that we filmed in Abilene is in post-production. And then they are looking to put that in film festivals as well. Um, other than that, 
that's that's kind of what's going on right now and then just waiting to hear back about the project that was that's being pitched um and also i didn't mention this but that director and i have gotten um such a good relationship with each other that he wrote our own uh sitcom for me and another actor to play the male and female lead and we haven't started production on that yet because the other actor has been filming in Atlanta but he wrote that specifically for us so that's that was kind of a a fun time for me to come across somebody that was like hey I like you so much I'm going to go out of my way to specifically write something that is for you yeah that's that's very cool that speaks on how much he probably thinks of you you know because when you wrote a show based around you so that that is that is really cool yeah i'm excited about it anyway yeah no for sure you got some stuff uh exciting stuff coming up yes where uh, where can people uh stay up to date with what you have going on um, you can find me on both Facebook and Instagram at Ashley Lawson Actress, and my Ashley is spelled A-S-H-L-I-E, so at Ashley Lawson Actress, and you can also find me. There's a contact form and all of my agents' contact information on my website, which is AshleyLawson.com. Awesome. Awesome. Do you get a lot of fans that hit you up on there? Um, It's... I'm more likely to happen on Instagram. I've had it happen on Instagram because it's just people are on social media anyway. So it's so easy to just go to somebody's page and then hit that message button and send them a private message. So that's where it typically tends to happen. But yeah, that that's cool that people reach out to you. We, we don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> we do all the reaching here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll let you go so you can enjoy your beautiful day out there. And, uh, we'd love to have you back, back sometime on the show. Have had a positive experience doing your first recording outside. Yeah, it hasn't been bad. (laughs) Other than the air force just flew above us a minute ago. I'm not sure how that's going to pick up, but, uh, no, it's been great. You know, coordinate this with the military. Yeah. They made it home safe. That's all that matters. They're home safe. So we know well, that. if it's any consolation, I didn't hear it on my end. And um, to address what you said, I would absolutely love to come back on, and we will probably have lots more to talk about. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll stay in touch, and we'll uh, we'll set something up. You, awesome. you were an awesome guest, so we appreciated your time. Yeah, you thank you guys us. so much for having me. It was lovely to meet both of you. Yeah, it was, was great nice talking with yeah, you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. And yeah, we'll uh we'll set something up. We'll do this again soon. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Danny and Dean. All, All right, right, thanks, thanks Ashley. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.